Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the third week in a row, I have the great privilege of having my friend Andre Chazon with me. Andre, uh, if you all heard him in the last two episodes that we did, of course, he doesn't need any introduction today. I'll just briefly say that he lives in British Columbia in Canada. He's had an amazing journey that's led him to, well, he's been a man on a mission in a street mission. And we talked about that for uh, a couple of weeks and uh, talked about his journey and how he has come to know some of the great truths of God and experienced life in a completely different way. So, Andre, welcome back for the third week in a row. Yes, thank you, Paul. Hi, everyone. So glad to have you. And today, rather than talk about our past, we're going to talk about some theology, some uh, three different things. If uh, if we get to them, the universal Christ, uh, what the incarnation means, and the whole concept of being born again. And these are terms that it's very easy, I know, from my past, just to throw around in speaking Christianese and not really know what they mean or have been taught something that's not necessarily what they do mean. So, You want to start off with telling us what your understanding is about the universal Christ? When I was uh, looking at the immensity of Christ, you know, like I'll go to scripture, you know, like when they talk about, uh, like in first in John 1, 3, it's talking about Christ. It says, through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. So that creation came into existence through Christ, through the Trinity. And then to complement that verse there in Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. So I'll read through this really quick. It's basically like this kind of a repeat of what I just read in John 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And when I read that, the firstborn over all creation... When was Christ born? Obviously, they're not talking about his divine side because he was part of the Trinity. So he's talking about when he was incarnated in in his humanity. So he was the firstborn of all creation. Now that's the new creation. The old creation was also in him, but the old creation fell off the wayside because believing the lie. So we know that story in the fall of, of humanity in Adam. But anyway... Coming back to this here, so for firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All thing has been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, visible, invisible, things in heaven, things on earth, right? So he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning. And and see, I know some Christian will look at this and, and they say, oh, hey, see, here he goes. It's like the head of body and the church. 
But the church is not only including people that's going to church on Sunday. You know, it's, it's the word ecclesia, right? Mm. And it's an assembly. And it's, an, it's all of humanity is his body. Because if it became human and everything exists in him, whatever he did had an impact on everything that exists in him. You know, so before all things and in him, all things all together, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that's where the new creation started. He is the firstborn from among the dead. Because in, in his resurrection, now there's a new humanity that was raised. So that in everything he might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself. Like I see this like a big embrace, like a big heavenly hug, right? Okay. And the word reconcile in the Greek, you know, when I look, you look it up, it's the word katalasso, which means to bring two parties into the same position, to the same place, right? Mm -hmm. And so to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind, because of your evil behavior, it's like self-condemnation right there, right? Yeah. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. Because if you don't believe all this stuff that we just read, then, it, then you, you, you fall back into self-condemnation, right? That's why it says, if you continue in your faith, right? Establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So if this here is not the gospel we're proclaiming, you know, to the world, we're proclaiming the wrong gospel. Indeed. I want to touch on one word there that you mentioned, the church and the Greek word ecclesia. I've come to a little deeper understanding of that in these recent times, as I'm sure you probably know, the Greek word ecclesia means called out, the called out ones. Well, what were they called out from when Christ came? When the Apostle Paul was teaching these things, they were called out from religion. Jesus came to the Jews, who their whole life was religion based on lies about God. The Apostle Paul, of course, was a Pharisee and a Sanhedrin, but he was called to the Gentiles, and they all had their own religions, you know, the goddess of Diana or Artemis or whoever, all these different ones. Well, the original word that we translate church. It was not an organization. It was not an institution. It was, it was not a building. It was certainly not a, I call it abomination, I call it a denomination. The church was those who were called out from that, called out from religion. Yeah, like in the Old Testament, where they were called out of Egypt, you know? Yeah, exactly. Into, exactly. into the promised land, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's just been a fascinating thing for me to See, what I understand now that we all are the body of Christ, we've been called out of all of these different concepts of religion into oneness, which we've always been, oneness with Christ. It's a, well, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? I was going to say, and another scripture that comes to mind is like, you know, when scripture about inclusion, that it doesn't leave anybody out. 
You know the scripture. Uh, I don't know where it is. Is it in Corinthians where it says, "If one died for all, then all died." Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so, if one died for all, that's obviously talking about humanity. Yeah. Then all humanity died. Yeah. So, and another scripture he says, "If we have been united with Him in His death, we'll certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection." Because otherwise, what would be the point if we're united with him in his death, but we don't rise with him? Yeah. <laughs> that would be totally pointless. It would, wouldn't it? You know? yeah. yeah. So if one died for all, then all died. Well, if one rose from the dead, then all rose from the dead. You know, because there's nothing that exists out of him. And that's why I was reading this at the beginning about the universality, the, the, the cosmic Christ that all of creation came into existence in him and there's nothing outside of him. And so when he became humanity, when he became man, everything that he was doing was affecting everything that was on the inside of him. He didn't do that for himself. He did it for everything that exists in him. Yeah. So if one died, all died. If one rose, all rose. If one ascended, all ascended. And all are seated in heavenly places. And I know for a long time, even for myself, even after I knew this, I thought, well, I sure don't feel like I'm sitting in heavenly places, you know, but it's the spirit part of you. Yeah. Because, because we're in this big religious worldly matrix, right? Yeah. Matrix of, of, of uh, you know, we've been programmed like the movie, The Matrix, like with all the things we were born with, all our emotional uh, experience or the trauma of our life and all this, because we're born in a fallen world. And so, we come to believe that that's reality, but that's not. It's all an illusion. That movie uh, is a great example, I think. I really, yeah. yeah. And so we're spirit, soul, and body. So it's, when they talk about we're seated in heavenly places, we're, we're a triune being, just like God is Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. And so the spirit part of us is seated in heavenly places. Now the mind has to catch up with that. And even the body get the benefit of this because he says, if the spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells within you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies that dwells within you. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so obviously his spirit dwells in every human being, but not every human being benefits the healing property of the resurrection life. So I think it all has to do with our degree of consciousness. The more we tune up to that consciousness, to that reality, that we're living in resurrection life. You know, a resurrection life is filling our very being. And the more we become in touch with this and conscious of this, the, the more we can begin to experience this healing, not just in our soul, in our mind, but it says we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind, but also even our body can benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That leads to the concept that you mentioned you wanted to talk about, too, the whole thing of being born again. What's your conclusion? What does that actually mean? Actually, there was a quick one I wanted to jump before this about the incarnation. Okay. Like I often thought, why did God not become a full-grown man? Instead, he became a baby. And he went even further than this. He became an embryo. What do you say this English word? Embryo Mm -hmm. in the womb. And I know when I studied this and I meditated on this, like it really made sense because all of us have been affected in our life, not just from the time of our birth, but from the time we were in our mother's womb. 
you hear like people that are affected in the womb if the mother is, uh, is an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. If the mother is going through emotional trauma or, or, or she's not taking care of herself emotionally or physically, she's not eating the right kind of food. So that's what's going on in the fallen world that we live. Everybody is affected, but not just the mother is being affected, but the child that's in the womb is affected. Right. So already we're born into this, this dysfunctional darkness because of where the humanity is since the fall of Adam. We're affected even before we're born. We're affected already in the womb. Yeah. So we, the light of the cosmos had to come and shine in our darkness and bring healing. He had to start right at the beginning of where life starts, even before we're born into this world, even in the womb. Right. Mm-hmm. And so... That was my take on death, in a way. You know. That's good. Yeah. 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 So the other one about being born again, yeah. Uh, you know, people will often ask you, like, uh, well, when were you born again? They'll think about, like, this state when you said the sinner's prayer and you asked the Lord to come in your heart and those kind of things, right? But as we said earlier, the scripture doesn't really talk about the, the term born again. It talks about being born from above. But in First Peter, he said you were born from above through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into mm-hmm. a new and living hope. Mm-hmm. So that's how we were born again. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not born again by something that we did. Just like the mm-hmm. same way we were not born, we didn't make a decision to be born when we were born in a, you know, into our mother's womb. It had nothing to do with our decision. Right. And so when you're born from above, the parent made the decision for you to be born. Right. And when you're born again, it's the same thing is that the parent, our heavenly parent, the three, our Trinitarian parent right. made a decision to have children. And so we were born again when Christ rose from the dead into a new creation, into a new humanity, you know. Yeah, it's like it says he's, uh, in Roman. It says, "Our for we knew that our old self, that old humanity that was contrary to what God designed was for humanity, was crucified with Him." And so, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's on the resurrection side of the cross. You know, that's exactly right. I've had a aha moment with that too, and I, I got this from somebody else. I think I got it from Malcolm Smith, but I, I can't remember for sure. That's a, an awesome person right there. Malcolm oh man, Smith. it is. He's a wonderful guy. I think I got this understanding from him, but you're exactly right. Uh, the Greek says you must be born from above. Anathen is the word, and it's not born again at all. It's born from above. But think about this now. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, He was steeped in religion. The Pharisees didn't believe in Jesus. He came to Jesus at night because he was afraid if if he got caught going to see him, that he would be expelled from the Sanhedrin and all that kind of stuff and be disgraced. And so he's talking to Jesus. And Jesus said, there are two ways to take this. We have been taught you must be born from above. But think about it from this way. If I would say, oh, Andre, you must be French Canadian. I can tell it from your accent. I think Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, oh, you must be born from above. You've got the revelation of who I really am. And you've come and you want to know more. Isn't that a different way to see that? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. 
Very and, true, very true. Yeah, and religion has taken and said, you must be born again, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. And if you don't speak in tongues sincerely the way I've taught you, then you're a second-class citizen. You might not even be saved, and you're probably going to hell. <laughs> that's that's not even close to what it is. Yeah, yeah. I never heard it that way, but that, that totally makes sense, yeah? Yeah. Because for him to come to Jesus, he had to have already a degree of revelation. Just like Peter, he says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, my father, which is in heaven. And then the next yeah. day, he told him to get away. They call him Satan or something. So we can jump into the carnal, uh, and then we can be in the spirit. You know, we can be in the world. Right? <laughs> yeah. But when he had the revelation that Jesus was the son of God, he says, Jesus told him. He said, yeah. you didn't get that from flesh and blood, but my father right. revealed it to you. You know, that's what I hear you saying, Andre. You told me that you knew a lot of these verses, and so then you would think about them and come to realize they meant something different than what you taught before. And that's a revelation. That's a gift from above. All good things come from above. And I think about my friend, Francois Dutoit, who's, you know, translating the Mirror Bible. What he does, now he's a linguist. He's studied Greek, of course, and Hebrew, but primarily Greek. And so he understands it. But you know what he does? They live in a in a rather secluded place in South Africa, and they don't even tell people. They live out in the country on a mountain, on a farm, but they don't even tell people in the city, except for real close friends, you know, where they live or necessarily what they do, because he needs such solitude, because what he does, as he's, you know, still translating the New Testament, he's got a few books left to go, what he does, he, he will take a verse and of course, he knows the original Greek and stuff, but he'll ponder it and ponder it. He'll go out and sit in their garden with a wonderful view of the mountains and the valley and stuff like that. He'll he'll go for a walk and he'll ask God, what were you really saying here? What does this really mean? And he has to get in the mindset of letting go of any and every doctrinal thing that he was taught. And in the process of doing that, then God speaks to him and reveals to him what those verses actually mean. Then he gets it, you know, and he goes back in and he's so excited and he starts writing it down. And And it's interesting, there are one or two places where he actually doesn't translate. I think it's one where the Apostle Paul says, you know, I don't permit women to speak in the church. If you look those verses up in the mirror, they're not there. And in the footnotes, Francois says, this is so totally unlike Paul that some scribe had to have added this somewhere, and I'm not even going to bother to translate it because it's not true. <laughs> and of course, of course, that didn't go over real well in some religious settings. But it's but that's what I hear in you, my friend. I hear you saying, "Okay, I want to know what this really means." So I'm going to think about it. and I'm going to listen to God, and any He reveals it to you. Yeah, I'm thinking about this scripture where when Jesus said. No man knows the Father. No man means anybody, all of humanity. Right. No man knows the Father, but except the Son, except the one that came from the Father, from the bosom of the Father, right? Yeah. So when I do my meditation time, like if I really want to, to know the Father, if I want to know God, 
like experientially, like not just knowing all the, all the scripture we talk about, but knowing God. Like I, I've come to a place now that it really has to hit really deep. Like when I was talking about my background when I was homeless and living on the street, that's the thing I was striving for, you know. Yeah. I've been in religion all my life and I took a nose dive, you know, when, the, when life got to me. And I understood finally late, but I finally understood that if I wanted to survive in this world, I needed spiritual reality. And so now I want to make sure I don't make the same mistake a third time. I, I came out of a fairly dead religious Catholic background, you know, where everything was done in Latin, it was just ritual. And then I, I got into this born again movement for 20 years, you know, and then I end up on the street. So now I came out of this into the grace movement. But this now is the real thing. But it's the real thing if you keep it real. Yeah. If you move from just learning these through it and then entering into the reality of them, right? And so I'm thinking, even, even though I know all these truths, the only one that, because what are these truths about? They're leading us to a person. They're not leading us to theology and doctrines. They're leading us to a person, to the personhood of God. And so for me, it's like, I want to know the Father. I want to know the personhood of God. I want to know the Trinitarian life. So Jesus said, no man knows the Father but the Son, but me and whom I reveal, right? And so the Spirit revealed Jesus, and Jesus revealed the Father. And so in John 14, 20, which is my favorite verse in the whole New Testament, Jesus says on that day, he's talking about the, the day of the Holy Spirit, you will know that I am in the Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. I'm sure this is probably one of your favorite scriptures too. <laughs> you know? But for me, it's almost like every time I go around in life and things kind of go up and down, I always come back to this thing. It's almost like my compass. That's my spiritual geographical location. Oh, yeah, yeah. You will know that I am in the Father and that you are in me, that I am in you. And so in my meditation time, I'm coming to a place where I know that I'm basically partakers of the divine nature and partakers of a divine relationship. And it's the divine relationship of the Son with the Father in this eternal union. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the revealer of that relationship. And so for me to know the Father, I just, because somebody said, I think it was maybe this guy from Australia, you know, I forget his name, he's, he's, he's a friend of uh, Kruger, you know. He says, we don't have a relationship with God. Jesus has a relationship with the Father, but we don't. But we do only in the sense that we're partaking of his eternal, already eternally established relationship with the Father. So now we're partakers of this divine relationship. And then we have a relationship. But apart yeah. from him, we don't have a relationship. So the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus and Jesus leads us to the Father. And it's beautiful, isn't it? It yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. We're right again. This time is uh, <laughs> it's flown by. So we're going to wrap up in a little bit. I so hope that people will uh, contact you. I know that especially people in your area, people need to know about you and be able to connect with you and be encouraged by you because there are not a lot of us yet all over the world, but there's there are more and more all the time. So Andre, tell people how they can find you. Well, I'm on Facebook. Like I said before, if you uh, write my name in the search bar there on Facebook, Andre Chiasson, C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N, 
You'll know you're on the right page when you see a picture of me and my wife on the pier in White Rock, uh, BC, that's by the ocean. A picture of two of us on the pier there. And uh, if you look in our webpage, we also have a group, Eternal Union, that we started a few years ago. You're welcome to put a join request on there. Things in that group interest you. It's all about all the stuff we just finished talking about. You know? Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for being with me for these three episodes. And I have a feeling we'll do some more at another time. Yeah, that would be great. It was, it was a pleasure, Paul, always. Yeah. Thank you. And, and thank all of you for listening and for being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray, with my friend Andre Shiazon. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.